Hi, and welcome to your Owen podcast, Quick and Handy Tips for Veterinarians on the Go. I'm Dr. Melanie Barham, Owen Coordinator. Welcome to a very special Swine Ontario Animal Health Network podcast series on influenza. We'll be joined by many guests offering expertise from around Canada and the U.S. Dr. Krista Arsenault, lead veterinarian from the Animal Health and Welfare Branch at the Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs, um, as well as ex-swine veterinarian and Owen Swine Network co-lead, will be my uh, co-interviewer for these guests. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or on our website, www.owen.ca, to access the scholarly articles and links featured on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Dr. Josefa DeLay, for joining us today. Uh, if you wouldn't mind just uh, commenting, just review your area of expertise and your role within the Owen Swine Network for us today, please. Well, I'm a veterinary pathologist working on all mammalian species, but with a special interest in swine. And in that role, I'm part of the OM Swine Network. And uh, we wanted to do a, a review for our podcast listeners on uh, which tests are currently available for influenza diagnostics. Uh, and if you wouldn't mind uh, explaining briefly a little bit about each test for our, our listeners. Sure. To start off with, we're going to wind the clock back to second year vet school and take a quick review of various test methodologies. So regardless of what type of pathogen we're looking for, um, there, there are certain tests that we can use. PCR testing, polymerase chain reaction testing, is looking for nucleic acid from the pathogen. Um, ELISA tests can look for antigen or antibody. Immunohistochemical tests look for antigen from the, from the infectious agent in tissue sections, most typically. And then we have serologic tests, which look for antibody um, through a different methodology than ELISA, but serologic tests allow us to look for acute and convalescent titers of, of uh, antibody in an animal's post-exposure serum. So now that we have the basics out of the way, specifically for influenza testing, PCR is the mainstay of influenza testing, both for surveillance and for diagnostic uh, for clinical disease in a herd. The, we have various different, um, different samples that can be submitted for these PCR tests. Typically, nasal swabs or tissues or oral fluids collected on a rope in, in uh, the herd. Moving to ELISA tests, um, serologic ELISA test is available for influenza. Um, not, not terribly widely used, but it is possible. Um, and this test will give us an antibody level, a one-time antibody level reading on, on the animals that are tested. And immunohistochemistry can be used in conjunction with histology to identify influenza virus antigen in tissues from infected animals. It's important to remember that PCR testing for influenza is the most sensitive of these tests and, and that's uh, going to be your go-to test in most cases. So that, that gave us a good overview of what tests are available and um, if you could just elaborate a little bit, Josefa, for me on the difference between um, samples that would be recommended per test. Is there a certain recommendation that you can give as a pathologist towards what you normally receive or what you would recommend that practitioner send in? Mm -hmm. Well, if, if we're doing surveillance in the herd and, and looking for the presence of influenza virus um, every two weeks, say, as just a herd screening tool, oral fluids would definitely be the best and using PCR test for that. Um, if influenza is identified through just the screening PCR, further testing can be done also by PCR to determine the, the subtype of influenza that's present, whether it's an H1N1 or H3N2. 
Um, there, there is also hemagglutinin, the H gene sequencing that can be done to partially genotype the, the, um, the influenza virus that's identified. So this allows us to get more information about the particular virus that is circulating in the herd. Uh, could you also explain for our listeners uh, some of the benefits that each of these tests have when it comes to disease surveillance as a topic? Well, PCR does have a lot of advantages because, as I mentioned, it gives us a lot more information about the, the particular virus that's present through allowing us to subtype if we do have a positive. Serologic testing um, using the ELISA won't provide that information. It will just tell us that, yes, the animal does have a, a titer or has been exposed to influenza virus. It only tells us that antibodies are present. Um, in comparison to ELISA testing, the uh, serologic test that uses a hemagglutination inhibition method um, can tell us an actual titer, an acute and convalescent titer, so it will document recent exposure in that particular animal or within the group. Um, and we also may be able to subtype that exposure to determine if it was from an H1N1 or an H3N2 virus. So overall, PCR is really the most, um, most useful test for both surveillance and for diagnosis of, of uh, clinical disease in a herd because it does give us that opportunity to actually type the virus that's present. We know exactly what we're dealing with. That's great information. What are the main points, Josefa, that you would like to make towards proper sample submission for influenza testing? How, how can we get it right? How can we submit the right samples? And, and how do we make sure that they get to the lab in correct condition? Well, one important thing is always to decide what type of sample you're going to submit for PCR. Will it be swabs or oral fluids? Um, one disadvantage possibly of swabs is that there may not be a lot of virus left in the nasal cavity um, at the time that clinical disease is identified. Um, so oral fluid sampling throughout a group of can may provide a wider range of, of, um, of virus load and so may give you a better representation of how much virus is actually circulating in the group. Uh, whether it's swabs or oral fluids are submitted, it's very important to make sure the samples are kept clean and the sample containers are properly, properly labeled. Um, an, an additional very important thing with swabs is that is to make sure the swabs are placed in viral transport medium for shipping to the lab. Uh, a dried out swab with, with a virus on it will not survive. Um, the, the virus will die and it will be more difficult to detect it. So viral transport medium is very important and that can be obtained from the lab prior to sampling. Um, for oral fluids, this isn't necessary, and the fluids can just be collected um, cleanly and submitted as a, a fluid group. Um, and making sure that everything is well labeled is always very important. If, if you are requesting pooling of any samples, um, it's very important also to, to document this on your submission form to the lab so that the laboratory knows exactly which samples you want pooled and how you would like this to be done. Josefa, you had mentioned that it is possible to order the viral transport media from the lab. If I were a practitioner, uh, how would I go about doing that? Well, it's most labs do supply this, so you could contact your lab and they could ship this to you. The Animal Health Lab does, does offer this service as well. Viral transport medium comes as a, a sealed sterile vial, but also with two swabs, two sterile swabs that are dry in the, the kit. So it looks a bit like a culturette, but it's just designed for viral transport and preservation rather than bacteria. 
Joseph, is there any advice you would give uh, to a practitioner that's sampling in a surveillance, a disease surveillance type situation versus uh, a clinical situation? Well, I think in a surveillance situation, PCR for influenza A virus using oral fluids is a, is a great method, a good way to go. Um, in comparison, if you do have clinically affected animals, mnemonic animals, you have you will have lung tissue there. You most likely will be doing field postmortems, and it, the lung is going to be a great source of influenza virus. Uh, influenza viruses prefer to be in the lung. Upper respiratory tract is great, but they would rather be down low. Um, so we can we can use lung samples for histopathology, for instance. So we can find other disease processes going on in that same lung. Concurrent disease is very common, as we all know. Um, and we can also do most of these tests that I mentioned, PCR and immune histochemistry on the lung tissue as well. Um, so histopathology is very important. But I should mention for immune histochemistry, although it is really great to be able to correlate antigen distribution, so where the virus is, with our histologic lesions with immune histochemistry, this test won't give us complete information on the virus. It will just tell us that an influenza A virus is present. It won't tell us anything about type. So again, we need to, to go back to a PCR testing with typing to know exactly which influenza A virus we're dealing with. Interesting information. Um, if a practitioner were doing routine PERS surveillance, for example, uh, at, at a farm, could they submit that same sample for influenza diagnostics? And if so, um, how would you recommend that that sample be submitted? Most definitely. I think it would be great to double up and do as much surveillance testing as possible on the samples that are being submitted. So influenza PCR lends itself to this very well. If oral fluid samples are being collected, that same sample could easily be run for both PERS PCR and influenza PCR, and it's just a matter of requesting that test on the submission form to the laboratory. I think that's all the questions that we had for uh, Dr. DeLay today. I'd like to thank you personally for taking time out of your busy day to talk to us on this podcast series on influenza. I thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay, and be sure to check out our podcast page because we will be having we will have some extra um, extra resources for you, some lab notes and some and various resources available for this specific topic. Thanks very much.